0: Welcome to Diverse Tech Founders, a podcast about the one thing older than capital, people like you and me. Now, here's your host, Abraham J. Williamson.
1: You're listening to the Diverse Tech Founders podcast, the show that brings you the one thing older than capital, people just like you and me. And I'm your host, Abraham J. Williamson. Thank you for listening. No problem. Thank you, John Uh, and Eddie. I'm looking forward to it. And, And now maybe we can just uh, learn a little bit more about uh, you and Cannabis Capital Group, but first, Eddie, uh, explain sort of how you grew up, where you grew up, uh, and how that's kind of like come to shape you today, if you if you can.
2: Sure. I grew up in North little Rock, Arkansas, um, in a single-parent household raised by my mother, Jackie, and I uh, grew up on a $16,000 a year salary amongst two children and sometimes four when My cousins would come in. Um, I just knew that I had to work extremely hard in my final days of high school, entering college to make certain that um, I could leave our household and be something successful. So that's what I did. and began to focus on community service and um, outreach, outreach, private delivery organizations throughout my my town. And then I went on to the University of Arkansas, where I continued that pattern and um, became the second African American president of the student body and the school's history at the time, and um, have just really always tried to follow my dreams and passion to to make an impact on the the world or at least the society in which I can control that's around me, and try and help somebody while at all um, while at the same time trying to attain some success.
1: Very nice, and you were a pioneer in in uh, the state. I'm also from from Arkansas in terms of your uh, vision in moving. Uh, your constituency forward from a technological standpoint and introducing as much as possible, you know, 21st century skills into your district. Uh, But tell us kind of how you um, a little bit more about your tech background uh, that you've had and how you've developed and how it's brought you to developing the platform that you're going to tell us about here in a second.
2: Absolutely. Well, I originally came from a, a corporate and regulatory and government affairs background before I got into elected politics. I served as a lobbyist and then I became, you know, a state representative. Uh, so I was rather a newcomer to the tech and entrepreneur space, um, but I've always been connected um, to tech for years through a number of my close friends and associates, one of whom was an early um, investor and in funder, And so I've been somewhat familiar with equity crowdfunding and FinTech for a while. Um, on today with us is um, a friend, but more of a business ally. My chief investment officer, John Engel, whom came from an investing background before partnering with us, um, and he brings a solid base of knowledge to this space as well. Um, I think of him like Pharrell and his DJ. He's my secret sauce behind most of the music um, that we're making to try and move the world.
1: Very cool. Uh, now I guess it's <laughs> a as good a time as any to just describe. Uh, what is Cannabis Capital Group uh, and sort of from where did the idea come from? And if you can, John, after after Eddie gives us the spiel, maybe talk a little bit more about what uh, brought you on board or what got you excited about this opportunity?
2: Sure. Absolutely. You know, it's a great question. The Cannabis Capital Group was birthed after some opportunities that uh, my um, family was faced with during um, 2016 um, My family um, started to turn some of their attention away from the medical ancillary service business, MRI centers, toxicology labs, histology labs, and they really started to look at um, the cannabis sector. Um, And they took on the charge to apply for a cannabis cultivation license in the state of Arkansas. Um, While most people in the country didn't even know that medical cannabis had become legal, Uh, They really looked at it from a medical and pharmaceutical approach um, around responsibility to the industry. And so uh, my wife and I wanted to replicate uh, their success, which they were extremely successful. They not only applied for one of the five cultivation licenses in Arkansas, they ranked top amongst uh, all of the applications, outscoring the second place winner by over 40 points Um, and to be a minority majority held um, group uh, with my family leading that off was something that we were really amazed by. And so we looked at some of our shortfalls in, the, in that opportunity uh, and built upon the successes of that. And we saw that there was potentially a solution to not be like most of your cookie cutter uh, application assistance companies or law firms that come into States and assist groups with trying to apply for these licenses. We set on a vision um, to identify and establish partnerships with interested groups and identified states, eight states to be exact, around Arkansas and the uh, Delta region that we could identify and not offer them a cookie cutter application approach, but more so build on our powerful experience and develop more so bespoke solutions for applicants to transition um, into proven methodologies and more bespoke um, best practices as we consider it with our failures and now our success In our um, cultivation facility back in Arkansas, we felt that we could replicate that and take that into other states that would be coming online, um, either for medical cannabis applicants or recreational cannabis applicants to um, cultivate and or dispense in the future. And for what John has brought a wealth of knowledge to for startup investors um, who may have an interest in investing in the cannabis industry, and which is how we developed our equity crowdfunding platform. And John, maybe you can expound on that for how we're looking at each of our groups um, and involving them in this industry as it grows.
1: If you're enjoying the show so far, remember you can always enjoy the latest resources on our website at d-tech.fund. That's dtech.fund. Back to the show.
0: Basically solve a lot of problems, including providing entrepreneurs access to capital, but also giving individual investors who might not have, it? who might have limited experience or certainly no access to the sort of early stage deals in this industry, especially where there's going to be like the largest growth and largest opportunity. So it was a very exciting sort of opportunity where, he, where CCG was coming into shape. I had this experience and passion and it turned into an excellent partnership.
1: Nice. So... If I'm uh, understanding what both of you are saying, uh, there was a problem in that not only was the process for obtaining licenses complicated, but it wasn't bespoke to the people who were applying. and there are a lot of differences among the, the applicants. One of the additional problems is that when they needed to apply, they were a lot it, it was a cat, it was a cash or capital intensive process. And raising money was tough because the, the industry is largely unbanked. And so you needed a solution to being able to capitalize uh, your clientele and also people in the market who didn't even know where to go for this particular solution as sort of an add-on benefit for, for, for the marketplace that way. Uh, but it, it, is that right? And, and if not, sort of what is your, your best uh, synopsis of your technical solution for, for your clients?
0: Right so I'd say that's like, it's, that's partially that's partially right. So like that is it's the across the cannabis industry, capital access on the one on the side of the of the actual businesses and then access to promising investments on the side of people with capital are, are, are the sort of two roadblocks. and that exists in the cultivation space that and that was where we where Eddie realized that that problem at first. but as we ex- explored it further, it's a problem that extends across. The entire industry, including the even faster growing and ultimately likely more important ancillary services space. So these are companies that serve the cannabis industry, but because they're in contact with it, often find it difficult to get traditional business 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 financing from things like banks. They require, so these even small businesses that would ordinarily in another industry have lots of the conventional methods of, of, of obtaining capital, uh, can't. So it's providing the solution there as well. And if I
2: might expound upon that, you know, we have explained to our investors, our solution to this opportunity that bridges the gap and also gives people, you know, you know, lack of a better term, drop powder and capital that would allow them to gain exposure in this industry. And they can access opportunities at an early stage more so. I want you to take into consideration, you know, when we, when we met John, um, I was learning more and more about his background in the crowdfunding space. And just if you take a look at, you know, the, the focus of equity crowdfunding and where it's going, we knew that we had an opportunity. Uh, the size of the current crowdfunding market, if you, if you know this, Abraham, you know, it rose by 59 percent between 2018 and 2019 um, from like, I think, around $86 million in transactions. In terms of capital raised to around about, I think, roughly $137 million in 2019. And given the new shakeup of a cashless society and a more cautious society on the back heels of um, this pandemic that we're all in, uh, we feel like and we believe the equity crowdfunding industry you know, is not only rapidly expanding, um, but it's gaining rapid traction with investors, and we want to be right in the forefront of that. Um, being able to cut out the middleman in some of these cases and giving people access to early stage, highly promising companies um, that may be gaining traction um, and expected to continue to grow. Uh, that's where we we really saw a, a real unique opportunity in this industry um, as it
1: matures. Absolutely. So are you all tracking sort of the SEC's proposed rules for increasing the investor limits, both in what a non-accredited investor could invest on an equity crowdfunding platform and also the startups themselves uh who could raise more than they can right now which i believe is around a million dollars an increase in that amount potentially to five million are you all involved in that conversation are you providing comments to the sec are you all like uh sort of what is your take on these proposed changes to the jobs act i just
2: wanted. to I wanna go back before we dive into the Jobs Act, yeah, and John can expound on that because we've been really exploring that. But just to give, you know, your listeners some kind of idea, you know, we are looking at when I talked about the industries um, specifically that may be jumping into this maturing cannabis space, you know, the industries that are very, you know, highly informational and regulated industries like med tech and pharmaceuticals and now cannabis. You know, these are highly regulated industries that will require a different level and more complex and sophisticated regulations um, that we've seen on a state by state basis. You know, each state, I'm in Illinois now and from Arkansas, we enacted it by a ballot initiative. Illinois was the first state to enact recreational cannabis by um, the legislative body. So they will take on very unique and different forms of how their regulations are aligned in the future. And I think what our crowdfunding platform does, in addition to monitoring what the States act, Rights Act may do or the Safe Banking Act may do, um, and others that may come out of even the stimulus packages, CCG, I feel like it's catching the lightning on both ends of this massive explosion in the cannabis industry and at the rise of equity crowdfunding, and it gives, you know, those that desire to gain exposure to these early stage companies, as I spoke about earlier, you know, access to an opportunity to truly um, get in on the front
0: lines. And- Certainly, yes. Uh, so, as, as uh, mentioning in terms of like the to basically discussion of lowering the bars for the Jobs Act, like we've been talking about this for quite a while, actually, like, uh, since the beginning, and it's been something I've been following for years. Is that one of the one of the great things about the U.S. is that it has the you know the deepest and most sophisticated capital markets, but at the same in the world. But at the same time, it this means that it also has more rules than anywhere else. So it's actually quite it's been quite interesting is that equity crowdfunding has kind of exploded in some in its applications in parts of for example the developing world where those rules aren't as strict that obviously comes with trade offs but it's always been clear that gradually over time the us will become less stringent as basically, the regula- basically as the regulators and the market come to understand the qualities and limitations and opportunities that the that, that it provides so if you just if, think about it one way is that like one of the biggest equity crowdfunding uh, investments ever done was in Colombia, and it was essentially small investors backing a the development of a skyscraper, which I, I believe they ended up raising on the order of fifty million dollars for 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 that product. So there's this enormous untapped source of capital that as it is normalized and people feel comfortable with it, it's going to create this enormous market expansion. so definitely very exciting that they're talking about raising the cap that companies can raise uh, basically by, by times five right now. And then also on the other side of it, allowing especially non-accredited investors to put more, put more of their money to work in these sorts of investments. And that's the more capital that can enter the equity crowdfunding space, the faster that market is going to grow, the more, and it's going to be an exponential, we think it's really going to be an exponential sort of story shift, especially when you look at things like institutional investors, like family offices, the the wealthy groups that have traditionally allocated capital to things like hedge funds and private equity.
1: For CCG in terms of um, how you envision your relationship with your clients and any feedback that you've already gotten, who are CCG's best customers?
2: At this stage, CCG's best customers because we took out a year and a half focus group um, tour around the country, and um, again, our idea and concept was born out of uh, really a physician-focused, medical-focused group. And when we recognize that within our own household and within our relationships from friends of the household, that lots of physicians and healthcare professionals, pharmacies. Um, veterinarians and others um, really wanted to try and engage in this space from a responsibility and regulatory perspective, but also from an investment perspective, but they didn't have access to those opportunities. And so we just piggybacked on the questions that were being asked around the dinner table, at lunches, that there was a desire among physicians and others, I would guess consider our our first customers um, in the healthcare profession, to invest in you know things that were more therapeutic based companies and pharmaceutical based companies and our focus in cannabis has been always to shine a light on the responsibility around medical recreational or healthful cannabis related products um, and identifying those products and so we want to bring physicians in because those that we know that are interested in gaining and understanding in this space uh, just need the opportunity to have access to it so that they will know about products um, that are very important, but not only important, but responsible to the growth of this industry. So I would since say that the healthcare space and particularly the physicians, pet you know, care uh, and therapeutic space, your massage therapist and holistic healing um, industry, um, individuals are some of our key customers at this stage.
1: Uh, what's it like pitching your product uh, while you're working you know a day job and with having a family and all the other pressures of life
2: uh, it makes me take a deep breath even just thinking about it uh, it is very toxic from time to time when you've got a, a four-year-old sprouting um, little boy um, to bring into the equation but um, I think he pays close attention um, but I've had to do this um, before while working in demanding job and business development um, in an industry space that I wasn't very familiar with and urine, drug cells, and toxicology, um, while at the same time, you know, working and running for office, fundraising, campaigning, and organizing, um, back in my, my elected district, um, and building up teams that could really be effective, not only while I was in office, but more importantly to the constituents that I served while in office. Um, and so that state responsibility along with my, you know, day job at the time, um, is something that i guess i've been doing for a great deal of my professional life uh, before that you know i created a scholarship foundation for minority students from single parent households and though philanthropic there was still a responsibility i felt like to those students because they were my family while at the same time you know lobbying and working for a big corporation so i'm uniquely to somewhat familiar with this space but uh, there's nothing like having a child and seeing him absorb some of this but at the same time coming and jumping on my lap with the buzz Lightyear or a spongebob square pants and interrupting my entire pitch so uh it's something that i just i work through and, and i'm just grateful that i've got a
1: strong family and a, and, a, and a spouse that supports it speaking of strong family uh can you talk to us about your decision not to bring on a co-founder but I- I- instead uh kind of envelope your family into your business as well to help and support you more directly
2: you know we thought a lot about about that you know and i've got a i guess two answers for that to some degree um i did bring in a a essential co-founder and john um when we first started on this this track we, we we were working with john and he was working um as a part of another team that was building our branding marketing and communications package and as we learned more about John's expertise and crowdfunding, as I mentioned, through some of his involvement, uh, we started, you know, to just really look at the assets of who we had within our own wheelhouse and recognize that, you know, being in an industry that would be heavily regulated, as I mentioned, on trust, on track record, on experience and expertise, you know, I started to look around uh, my own backyard, so to speak, of who we had in place. And from a, you know, science and cultivation perspective, um, we brought on Robert Ben who has a bandwidth of extreme knowledge um, around the science and manufacturing of cannabis. And then um, my, my wife, Shara, uh, uh, came with a very deep bench of experience in the marketing and Uh, advertising communications background for specifically physicians and medical um, centers um, in Arkansas. And so we wanted to utilize some of her skill sets. And then last but not least, back to responsibility, um, which we continue to focus on. Um, Dr. Williams was a great case study and how he truly approached our application there in arkansas and what type of business he wanted to run it wasn't just going to be a cannabis cultivation facility it wanted to be first in class with all of the bells and whistles that you could imagine and and because of the time and labor he put into that with his team uh, i knew that it would be moved me not to you know utilize the people that i had within my own reach to get this company off the ground because it's a, an evolving industry and identifying co-founders can be sometimes tricky, um, especially with an industry that's not even federally legal yet. So coming through all those confines and convincing somebody to be a part of this wasn't difficult, but it definitely was something I wanted to utilize my own resources for first. And um, you know we'll see,
1: hopefully we've done a great job with the team we've got. I think we have a stellar team. That's brilliant. I mean, a lot of folks search for talent And don't think to look like you did, Eddie, right in your backyard and also to use the case studies as as ongoing uh, stakeholders, if you will. So I think that that's brilliant. I'm sure that it's helped you already up to this point. Speaking of help, uh, you mentioned early on uh, when you came on about money and raising If you were to get a million dollars in funding right now, sort of a windfall, no strings attached, you don't have to answer to anybody for this money, where would you deploy that capital? How would you use it? Where would you put that million dollars in funding right now?
2: A big smile on my face. Uh, I'm a visionary and, you know, um, entrepreneurship is really sometimes taxing. Um, You don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. Um, and I just wake up every day refusing to lose, um, and I'm gonna fight the lion until I come out with his mane. So fundraising mode is what we're in the middle of right now. Um, and any amount of money I think that we raise right now, you know, we view it as money to you know accelerate you know the full launch and scale of our crowdfunding platform number one, which is you know while we're talking fintech today, um, pay for and of course deploy capital towards some of our due diligence fees. Uh, expand our team you know uh, we all know what we know but we need analysts um, that could potentially do a deeper dive into what we're doing on the platform and expand our medical advisory board and in this growth i think a million dollars would allow for us to aggressively launch market and ensure the success of the initial first set of deals that are coming onto our platform in the future so um I've got lofty goals for the funds that we could bring in if a million were written out to me tonight. Uh, it would go to good use.
1: So what's the most profitable piece of advice that you've gotten since you've gotten into this cannabis uh, industry, this equity crowdfunding platform industry? What, what What's the best and most profitable piece of advice that you've received?
2: I would soon say that, you know, I've got some great Assets for relationships and mentors, and I'll never forget getting kicked in the teeth by, you know, a giant of a um, in financial industry from Arkansas, a gentleman named Calvin Grigsby out of San Francisco. He's been there over 40 years, uh, and Diane Primo here in Chicago, as we were fleshing out our initial thoughts around what we had learned, both of them continuously have told us to find and close the deal. And um, at our space, it is, you know, on one tune, we've found and closed deals on the consulting side, which is the more laborious, boring kind of side of the business to get applicants to see the reality of becoming a license holder. Um, But closing and identifying deals on the equity crowdfunding platform is what we are at a fever pitch pace on and something that I think when it hit, the light bulb went off that You know, one deal begets the next deal, begets the next deal, because not only is it your traction, it becomes your testimony, it becomes your case, you know, study on how you close those deals in order to make your next deal sweeter. So I'd soon say that that has to be the most profitable piece um, is find and close the deal. And um, and we are we are we're dead smack in the middle of that.
1: So what is the deal in this sense? Are you saying that if you're listening right now and you're in the cannabis industry and you have a capital problem or you need to raise capital that that's a deal that ccg wants to to be a part of or potentially to vet like how do you how does the you know the platform how does ccg make money and where are the deals what are the deals sort of who are the people who are who are best uh kind of situated to trade value with you
2: sure um john i'll allow for you to expound on this too that's a great question abraham but one aspect is very straightforward you know we work with within our functional group of the company which is you know vertical number one and that is to apply and assist groups that we identify that want to take on a mantra of being real responsible Um, producers and or retailers so cultivators or dispensers um, and we you know, take a small portion of cash from them um, that we negotiate. And once those assets become live and they gain a license, the dividends from those cultivation or or, or dispensaries, um, you know, like I said, it's a little bit of the traditional laborious function of our company. But we gain, um, you know, capital. That's one way we make money in our company. Um, but the thing that we are really building on and our key focus is the equity crowdfunding platform where I think we'll make, you know, a windfall of money, not only for the company, but most importantly for our investors, which we care
0: about. Um, John, you want to expand on that a little? Sure, yeah. So in terms of the, like, our fintech solution, our equity crowdfunding platform, so CCG and CCG's investors will Mm -hmm. basically make money in three ways. Firstly, any company that, like, Anyone who's familiar with equity crowdfunding, you pay an upfront fee to list on a platform. So that will be essentially a negotiable fee. We're working on the exact pricing with our initial, with our, with our initial listing partners who are going to be coming on because uh, as they're the test partner, we're will, uh, our prices are going to probably be a bit lower. But that's the sort of the initial sort of cash flow source. The second bigger short-term cash flow is because we have taken the time to partner with a uh, Broker dealer that is specifically focused on the cannabis industry and are registered with them. We essentially provide what what amounts to an investment banking service in the capital raise, so we can take bro, uh, the broker fees, you know, three to five percent of the cash raised. So that's vertical to the sort of cash flow number two that will come at the end of each each company's successful campaign. And then thirdly is what you is what we call sort of the long term venture capital play which is that when a company comes on board to our uh, to our platform part of the arrangement will be that in exchange for providing consulting services helping them build their their videos their campaigns and accessing essentially broker dealer and private placement services we take a small piece of equity which we which currently with our initial group is in the range of 1 to 3% depending on how much we like that company so it allows us to uh, to take varying degrees of ownership, so we can basically forego some of the uh, short-term upside with, with with companies we really like, and instead take a larger piece of the long-term play. So the company, so in those cases, you know, that we make money in one of th- three ways: like uh, the company becomes profitable and starts paying its investors dividends; it gets bought out, which is quite common in a rapidly growing. And evolving cannabis cannabis industry, and thirdly going uh public, which is a long term play but those are all so there's a profitability where that becomes an earning asset for CCG or there are the two traditional exits so that's the third component which long term we see is like as being the most val- the largest value driver, but is as with any venture capital deal, inconsistent in terms of the cadence of sort of cash flows. So those are the large windfalls that we're investing in long-term and sort of venture capital play, while also having an effectively investment banking type, shorter term fee structure, which is then supported, as Eddie talked about before, by our other functional group, which is uh, the consulting side, which is giving us an increasing portfolio of earning assets in the traditional cannabis cultivation and dispensary industry.
1: Got it. That's that's good. And appreciate the the breakdown of that. I can see how, uh, you know, in a lot of different verticals and a lot of different ways, you touch your client, you add value, and you're able to realize uh, income and revenue on the basis of that value. So that that's awesome. Uh, Eddie, some people may not, or they may hear you uh, kind of, speaking about CCG, the business side, the politics side, and they may not really get a chance to see sort of what's behind that on the artistic and creative side. So maybe now can you just for us describe sort of which artist most inspires your work and sort of a little bit more kind of behind the scenes of of Eddie and how you inspire and how you create and how you ideate?
2: You know, I've got a wide range of, you know, artists John and I were just talking the other night about you know, the artist he appreciates and classic rock. And I think he mentioned a few others. And I just was thinking, you know, the times that we're facing right now, the times that I faced while serving in politics, um, I would have to, you know, pay homage to, you know, the greatest, uh, Mr. Marvin Gaye. Um, You know, his family upbringing, his experience to taste and experience success at a very young age, uh, I... You know, had somewhat of the same opportunity to experience success, you know, pretty regularly growing up. Once I realized what my purpose in life was, and I really thrived in the space of being able to put servant leadership first. Uh, it's what you know wakes me up in the morning. It, it drives me to to create, you know, more access to people that look like me, younger individuals that you know strive to create their own. Um, footprints um, to take those risks and uh, just think about you know the things that he faced from a family perspective while at the same time generating all of that success with Mr. Gordy at Motown and what that did amidst the 60s um, and all that happened in that 10-year era span you know I can't help but to think about when we first ignited rock our vote a community organization in response to Mike Brown Um, and what took place there, uh, and how we had to go out and raise money and advocate our case to recruit, engage, and challenge young people to go to the polls and vote because their vote was their voice. And to have that vote meant that they could actually affect and impact change at the grassroots level in their communities, and I think those young people saw that. And I take a lot of those same inspirations in business, and uh, while driven by, you know, the goal and vision and dream of developing my own financial freedom um, and generational wealth to some degree for my family. Um, My family is large and robust and it's not just those that are in my bloodline. Um, There are a lot of individuals that I intend for CCG, its message, its vision to impact by way of just the tenacity to go after it. Number one. And number two, once you've tasted the success in it, uh, multiple Grammys, multiple chart-topping hits Marvin Gaye had, you know, I, I don't think I've won any Grammys, but I've put my name on top of the board through hard work and dedication, and, and I, I intend to do exactly that in this industry, um, is to put our name on top of the board um, as a differentiator and democratizing the green rush, and then being able to pivot from there and hopefully helping some other young people, um, whether it get be get through college or start their own companies. Um, we want to be at the front lines of, you know, reaching back and pulling some other people into the boat or the yacht, as opposed to leaving them in the water and allowing for them to have to tread it on their own for a number of years.
1: Love that. And that's something that's been consistent since I've known you, since I first heard you speak uh, at our high school, uh, back in North Like that's been consistent this whole time is that you are always looking at, look, it's me, but it's really a hundred of me's behind me coming after me and, and you tap people like us to to get our thoughts on what's happening. how can we put ourselves to use. And I think that that is fantastic. Uh, So appreciate you for that. Um, Speaking of sort of your background and who you are, you're now in Chicago. How does being from North Little Rock and growing up sort of as an Arkansan, how is that helping you, assisting you and benefiting you or how is it, you know, making things slightly more difficult potentially in Chicago for you uh, being from Arkansas?
2: You know, um, I rely a lot on faith first, Um, whatever that looks like for any one individual and wherever they find their own inner compass, I think everyone should have some dial and mine is faith. Uh, Being from the South, being from born in Little Rock, Arkansas, from North Little Rock uh, and coming to Chicago, I immediately started to do my homework on the, the proportions of this great city, this great town. And whenever I travel to the south side and, I, and I've done my research on, you know, the, the former titans that came through Chicago, like John Stroger or Harold, or the, um, Harold Washington, you know, all of their lineage is traced back to the south and um particularly Arkansas and Mississippi um, as they came here to seek greater opportunities to make a way for their family and I look at it no different for me I think Chicago is a great epicenter uh, for what we um, strive to be and do Um, never forgetting the south never forgetting where I come from but building upon those hurdles of an infrastructure and you know I uh I capital base that may be able to invest in startups at a large rate or vcs that are out there that may be looking at companies like ours Um, i felt that this was a great space for us to work in Uh, i don't look at chicago as a challenge um, at this space at this time i think it's big enough and if you do your homework you can make it anywhere Um, but from a local startup in this space there's a lot of traction for brown black and um, general public um, groups to, to get involved with accelerators around the city. So we've been able to emerge ourselves in, in some of those. And I, I only see the opportunity You're in New York um, and spending time throughout the country, so you know this all too well, um, it, it can be seen as a challenge to jump into a huge ocean of people like New York or a space like Chicago, or you can look at it as an opportunity and. You know, I see it as only an upside to to take the struggles, to take the shortcomings, to take the opportunities that may not have been there um, for me and Arkansas as we were coming into existence, maybe for others in the future, um, and to try and capitalize on those in spaces like Chicago, which have been really open and perceptive, and especially as it relates to social equity and minority and diversity inclusion. Um, The state is doing a stellar job at putting that on the forefront and has always tried to make certain, it looks like in the city of Chicago, that African-Americans stand up for themselves and won't take no for an answer to have a seat at the table. And that's something that I respect and and, and I aim to be a part of.
1: Brilliant. It sounds like a a really great environment to cultivate your talents and continue to grow and and produce. Uh, Speaking of of producing, uh, if CCG could keep sort of one feature, one component to its equity crowdfunding platform uh, for people in the cannabis space, what would that feature be if you wiped everything off, you had to start over from scratch, what would be a feature that would have to be a mainstay for CCG?
2: Well, um, I'll, I'll start it because I think I know where I would like to go and that is associating ourselves with uh, within the education components of our crowdfunding platform we've got our uh, hands in a partnership with a very aggressive accredited school and I know that several others may be sprouting up um, across the country that are in their uh, seed round um, around the education of cannabis
0: um, from growing to retail and general education. The most important aspect, I think, is the focus and the design of everything that we do being around opportunity in terms of the democratizing the green rush, but most importantly, in terms of responsibility in that. And because cannabis is is becoming legal, but it is still a drug and it needs to be carefully considered not only by governments, by the companies that are going to be operating and leading the industry.
1: Like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button. This podcast is made possible by listeners just like you. So thank you for subscribing. And now back to the show. I mean, oftentimes in business, you come out with a vision and uh, something changes like like John mentioned you have to keep building to for compliance or because your customers are telling you something that they want or maybe sometimes it's something incredibly drastic uh for 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 you all uh, can you name a pivot that you think might have saved CCG or a significant point a watershed moment where you had a fork in the road and you had to take one and it made all the difference
2: took us from looking at it from a purely consulting business to becoming a fintech equity crowdfunding ecosystem. And that um, is a game changer. But you know, where I think the rubber meets the road and, and is our pivot to date is the strategic pivot to really look at the
0: fintech equity crowdfunding ecosystem. Brave, long-term thinking. And I think Eddie really embr- embraced it. And it was part of the reason why I was really eager to climb on board was just the how quickly he just got it in terms of what the opportunity is, because you can, there's going to be a, like there's lots of money to be made in the consulting space, in owning parts of cultivation operations, especially in states that are still highly regulated, so prices are very high for wholesale cannabis, but everyone knows that as legalization happens, the prices will decline and it's going to become a commodity business. So I think that the thing that makes CCG great is that we came together and said, this isn't about making money in this, in in this you know, five-year, 10-year play. This is about how do we position, how do we build a company for, for the cannabis industry of 20 years from now?
1: So I have two more questions. The, the first I'm going to ask uh, of Eddie, the, the founder, and the second one, I'm curious to know both of your thoughts for sure. So the first one, so for Eddie, <laughs> do you want to run a billion dollar company? Why or why not? And in in this question, you know, folks really sort of reveal what's motivating them in terms of their company, but also how big or where they see it going. So for you, kind of what is your take on that? Do you want to run a billion dollar company? Why or or why not?
2: I'd soon say yes is the short answer. But, you know, let me be clear. We are in tech and we are also in cannabis, but we want people Um, to do is care about, and we recognize that people care about most in this space is valuation, excuse me, more so and not the value. That makes sense. Totally. Uh, And we are not, I guess, in the business um, to just keep raising money and hopefully one day, you know, we'll be profitable. Uh, We're talking more about building a business in an industry that can one day, and I believe will be profitable basically Anywhere except for in saturated and less attractive markets, which is where most of the publicly traded companies are playing right now. So, you know, I think about billion, and that's a man that's really lofty. And we see this, I think, as an opportunity to do something and grow with it as the industry continues to grow. You know, if we think this is a billion dollar idea, I want to be sure that we grow it in a way that nets value for our investors which is something I think I care about, like the same thing I cared about when people were voting for me. Those are my investors. And that's what we want to create is real value. I wanted to always be driven by creating value for my constituents to take every call and answer to problems that maybe I couldn't fix. And I'm driven by a lot of that same tenacity for our early seed investors, you you know, our family and friends that have you know, chipped in a nickel. We aim to create value at the end of the day. Um, being a billion-dollar company, we're only as good as the people that we got with us. So, uh, making our investors really bought in and can testify to what a company looks like in this new evolving world that we will see—that truly brings value on this side—is where I think I want the
1: cannabis capital group to be. Um, so yes a billion dollars but right speaking of value uh, first what's the most valuable thing that ccg does for its customers
2: it's plain and simple to me you know coming out of like i've always talked about this you know political government space but our goal here from the very beginning and consistently has been to democratize the green
0: rush um, that's what we are doing um, there are so many companies in this industry that are raising money quickly and that are could end up in trouble with the sec or the feds because of uh, like the legal status of cannabis by providing a conduit through the equity crowdfunding platform and through our partnership with like a focused heavily compliance uh obsessed investment bank gives us the ability to give our our clients and customers on the fundraising side a mechanism that is
1: Secure. Well, I've enjoyed uh, getting to know both of you significantly more uh, and more about the platform and kind of how you envision uh, this space growing over time. I mean, it's going to need capital. It's going to need organization. It's going to need structure. It's going to need... Uh, technical expertise. And it sounds like you all are well positioned to be able to provide that. Uh, Eddie, is there anything else you want to say? How can people get in touch with you? If you're a startup in the cannabis industry, where should you go? If you're an investor sort of looking for beta, if you're looking to find kind of like opportunities and deals or get more involved with CCG, where should people go? How can they get in touch with you? And and, and what are you hoping uh, that this podcast is going to do in terms of your message?
2: They can go to the CannabisCapitalGroup.com to learn more about CCG, our case study, where we came from, some of the things we shared today. You know, we look at this as you guys feeding it from both ends of the funnel. excuse me, uh, from an exposure and access to an investor, you know, space that you may have in your network uh, to ensure that we... uh, capitalize on our raise to accelerate um, to those that are looking to introduce um, deals or businesses to our platform that can be fed through. And on the opposite side, you made a comment about young people coming behind me. Uh, I don't feel like any of you guys are coming behind me. I feel like your tenacity to dare to be different and continue to thrive in your own collective spaces around the country. are are things that I can learn from and that inspire me um, to be a part of this collective as more so ahead of it. Um, And I just appreciate what you are doing in New York and where you come from and what Diverse Tech is aiming to do and and thankful for this platform again today.
1: Thanks for Uh, joining this week on Diverse Tech Founders with Abraham J. Williamson. If you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. You can do it right now. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us too. Thanks again.